Hello, friends. Super excited for you to listen to the episode today. Before I present the guest, as always, let me run a few things by you. Please follow, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps boost the show, grow the audience, and ultimately helps me create the best show for you guys. So I would appreciate if you guys could do that. Additionally, please go follow me on social media, R-O-Y-B-T-Z on Instagram and R-O-Y underscore B-N-T-Z on Twitter. If you go to my Twitter profile, you can subscribe to the newsletter, which gives you access to updates, occasional blog posts, news about the guests, future of the show, and most importantly, just a very easy way for you to get the podcast into your inbox every single week. One more thing, please consider supporting this independent podcast. I made the decision not to work with any sponsors on this podcast for right now. I'm trying to keep it independent for many reasons. So if you find value in this podcast, please help sustain it and grow it by going to the link in the show notes and supporting the podcast. Finally, if you want to start your own podcast, I have a full tutorial that covers everything you need to know, soup to nuts, A to Z, how to start, grow, execute, market, reach out to guests. Really everything that you need to know about how to start a podcast is in this very easy to follow manual ebook course, however you want to call it. And it's all right there. So if that's something you're interested in, again, it is in the show notes at the bottom. Feel free to check that out. Let's move on to the guest. This week I have Alex Hayden. Alex is, uh, especially for you younger people, very inspirational. He's only 21. What he's been able to do in those 21 years is unbelievable. He's the founder and CEO of Closeify, and he recently started another company, Trackify, and really, really inspirational. I let him explain and describe what all those companies do because he's going to do a much better job at it. For me, it's kind of inspirational to see someone at 21 being able to start companies, being a CEO, really laser focused on what he needs to do for his personal growth, for his business growth. And I think if you're a young person, you know, with an inkling for entrepreneurship, you should definitely check out this episode. Alex does an awesome job just distilling life lessons, business lessons, some insights into growth and to how he started everything, what was the whole journey for him. So really packed with information. And I left this episode just like with a jolt of energy after I finished talking to Alex. That's how I felt and that's how I hope you're gonna feel by the end of this episode. Without further ado, here is Alex Hayden. Enjoy the episode, everyone. The Genuinely Interested Podcast. Alex, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for uh, coming on the podcast. We, uh, you know, we recently connected through Twitter. And uh, ever since I've been kind of trying to figure out who because I haven't heard of you before and then I was like oh this this kid's young and he's doing stuff like it's this is very cool so yeah happy to have you on man yeah I appreciate that you know I appreciate you having me on here it's really cool yeah so for people who like myself a few weeks ago have not heard of you maybe you can give us a you know a rundown yeah so super long story short um you don't have to make it short you can make it as long as you want (laughs) Uh, like seniorish year of high school, um, we had to do like a kind of like an exit paper as uh, for like one of our English classes, and it had to be like a six-page paper on an unpopular opinion. 
And at this point, I had kind of just discovered making money online and got them exposed to like some of those types of people. And obviously, it's like a very popular narrative to bash college. Um, And so, you know, I started kind of like exploring into that. And then I decided to actually make my paper on why college actually is worth it for most people, despite the fact that I was about to go to college. Um, (laughs) And so... I wrote my paper on that and I ended up like, you know, going down just like tons of rabbit holes of like all these crazy statistics about college. You know, I'm trying to remember some of them, but you know, things like things like 80% of people actually end up in a field unrelated to their degree. And, you know, there's all these like crazy statistics that actually, you know, supported, you know, obviously my thesis. And so that kind of like first planted the seed that I was like, you know, like maybe college isn't the route for me because my original plan was to get into a good school, uh, which I did, and then go into investment banking, just because like that's you know where all the money is at. At least that's where I thought. Yeah. Um, and so I went to school at St. Louis University, and I played tennis there. So I was a full time Division One student athlete, and yeah. I was trying to do e commerce drop shipping. Very, very like no success, like horrible success. Um, did, did you ever think that tennis would would be the route? Like, is what did you ever like? Oh, I could be a, you know, like a professional tennis player. No, I wasn't. I wasn't really like pro level good. Okay. Uh, and not to mention, even if you are like, unless you're like top 100 in the world, you don't make any money. Like, you could be 400 in the world, which is obviously like incredible. And you're like, you're literally losing money every year after your travel expenses and coach and whatnot. So I, I never really had the desire to try to play professionally, but I did really enjoy, you know, playing in college. Um, yeah, I had no success drop shipping. Um, I used to resell sneakers. And so I used my profits from that to try to, you know, run Facebook ads and whatnot, ended up basically losing all the money that I had made selling sneakers, um, from about, um, March of 2019 to December of 2019. And then after my last store had failed in December, I'm like, I'm going to like run out of money soon. So I got to pivot. Uh, so I took a few weeks break of like actually, you know, trying actively trying things. And then um, I literally saw like a tweet from, you know, who's one of my now like friends and mentors. And he's like, I'm looking for someone to help them make their first dollar online via internet phone sales. And I was like, dude, like what's internet phone sales? And um, he explained it to me. And, you know, basically I had bought several drop shipping courses to try to help me learn. And he was like, instead of being the one can you explain to people? Cause I'm sure there are like a lot of my audience are entrepreneurs. Drop shipping is very familiar to them, but some may not. Can you explain what it is to them? Yeah. So drop shipping is a pretty simple business model where essentially you are going to pick a product that you want to try to sell that you don't actually own. So like, for example, I'm trying to think of something that's like very popular. So for example, one that I actually tried was these little galaxy roses. And I try to do it as like a Christmas present. Mm-hmm. Um, And then you go on a wholesale site like AliExpress or Alibaba and you upload that product and make your own website around it as if, you know, you're the one, you know, you're the sole seller of it um, and try to brand it and whatnot. And then you have to drive traffic to your website, whether it's via Facebook ads or, you know, more popular now is doing it via TikTok organic. Mm -hmm. Um, But you push traffic to your store. You mark up the price from AliExpress and say it's $10 to buy from AliExpress you sell it for $30, you know, you pocket the $20 or if you're running ads, $20 minus your ad spend. Uh, so yeah, that's what drop shipping is. And then 
Sorry, I, I interrupted your story, but I just wanted people to like get a better understanding for it. Yeah. And so um, then my friend was like, you know, you could be the one selling the drop shipping courses instead of the one buying it and you could be getting the commission. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, I think I can do that because like I just bought them. Like I understand why people are buying them. And so sure enough, it really took off. I started, you know, I was closing at an insane rate. Um, and then I started getting all these clients to the point where, you know, my day went from 5 a.m. to midnight because like I said, I was playing tennis in college. We practiced from six to eight and I had classes all day and then weights. And so, you know, I was taking sales calls during any break that I had. I was taking calls at like 10 p.m. on a Friday night. Like the guys on my floor would be like trying to get me to go out. And I'd be like, dude, I have a sales call in like 15 minutes <laughs> Friday night. Um, and so like my schedule was crazy and it quickly got to the point where I had more clients and more sales calls than I could handle myself. And so one of my buddies who was across the country from me at the time, but was interested in the same online business stuff as me, I was like, dude, I can start outsourcing some of these sales calls to you. If you, if you'll let me like train you and you like have some extra time and like, we'll split the commission. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's how my sales agency started, which I did for a while. Um, and that was all in the B2C space, which is business to consumer. So selling online courses, coaching, mentorship, et cetera. Um, and I tried to break into the B2B space, business to business. And they were all like, I, I don't want to work with the sales agency. Like I want like in-house sales reps that are like dedicated to my business and my business only. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of opened my eyes to a whole other market because they were like, but I'll pay you if you can place a sales rep in my business. So then I was like, okay, like here's a whole nother business opportunity for me. Um, but, um, so I became a freelance recruiter, just training people up and then placing them in the business. I charge both sides. I charge for sales training and I charged to place a sales rep in the business. And I started booking all these interviews and paying for consulting calls with people that had worked with the biggest recruiters, um, in the sales hiring space. And I was like, you know, what's like, what's broken with the recruitment process? Like what's not what's not perfect? Like if this was perfect, like what would, what would it look like? And they were like, well, one, it's super expensive. It's, you know, you'll on average pay $5,000 for a single sales rep place in your business. They're like, two, it takes a long time. Cause like they're training these guys. So it's taking 45 to 90 days. Mm-hmm. And then three, to be honest, the guys that we've gotten from recruiters haven't been that good. Cause like they've never taken a sales call before. They just have sales training, which, you know, you know, since I was in sales myself, like I can tell you, it's all about reps. Like you don't actually get good at it until you've done it. Um, and so I was like, then I was kind of like, how can I solve those three problems? And so the first thing that came to mind was, okay, why don't I, instead of training people myself and charging for sales training, why don't I find people that have already sold exactly what it is that my clients sell? So if my client sells Facebook ads to lawyers, why don't I go find someone that's already sold Facebook ads to lawyers? Like if they've done it once, they can do it again. So like that'll make it more predictable. So like that was my first thing. And then I was like, okay, how do I make it more affordable? And how do I make it faster? Um, and that also kind of solved the faster problem too. Because again, now I don't have to train someone. I can just place them. Um, so then I was like, how do I still make this even faster and more affordable? So the only way I can make it more affordable at scale is if I remove human labor right? Like I can't be the one that's doing like outbound prospecting for sales reps and then manually vetting them 
and then interviewing a bunch of them and then finally placing one sales rep in someone's business. Like that's too much manual labor. I'm going to have to pay a lot of people to do all that. Like I'll never be able to make it more affordable. And so I came to the conclusion that I could actually turn it into a self-serve hiring platform like Fiverr or Upwork, but only for commission only sales reps. Mm-hmm. And so still now the only um, part that's manual labor for us now is we have an HR rep that verifies their experience and their track record. Um, but now we let clients do the interviewing themselves. So all we have to do is, and we have outbound system that, you know, reach, reach, we have people that reach out to different sales reps. We have strategies for that and whatnot. We also get a lot of sales reps that come to us inbound. They get pushed through our application process, HR interviews them, uploads them into our platform. And then it just becomes, as soon as a client pays us, there's no fulfillment. They just log into the platform and hire on their own. Um, and then they'll, you know, they'll get a check-in email or two from us. Um, so then I finally, you know, kind of cracked the code. Now, instead of, you know, a recruiter would charge, you know, $5,000 per head, we're much, much more affordable than that. We're much faster. Our clients on average hire in three to seven days. Um, and we're more predictable. Like I said, all of our reps are experienced and have already sold in the niche that our clients are in. Um, so, you know, now I've been running that company for like about exactly a year now. We've gotten over 160 clients, grown to a seven-figure run rate in one year. And so, yeah, that's what I've been up to. Dude, how old are you? I turned 21 in February. Jesus Christ. I feel like I'm talking to like someone who's 40 with like 20 years of experience in the business and you're 21. Yes, sir. (laughs) The story you just told seems like it's got the arc of that story is like a, a decade but this all started at twenty, like the drop shipping is 2019 to the sales agency to starting close the, all that. That's all that story just from 2019 up till now. Yeah. And so I guess like a little tidbit that I left out um, is so I built the, or my partner built the MVP for Closeify in early 2021. And then <clears throat> I was still in college at this point. And so you know, I took all my savings that I made as a sales rep, paid a developer to build Closeify, and then I dropped out of school. And then I put my best friend that's my roommate here in Miami. And I put him on salary before myself, moved us to Miami, you know, doubled our business and personal expenses. And then we over doubled business our first month in Miami. It was really cool. Wow. Dude, you give me hope. <laughs> like yeah. all these, you see, I, this is a normal for people your age, like as far as your friend group and, and, and your peers, right? Like maybe a year older, a year younger. Uh, is this normal? Is this, I'm, I'm, I guess like, what is the current climate in colleges? Is it still like the parent generation where people want to be like engineers, lawyers, you know, corporate finance, et cetera, doctors, or is entrepreneurship the only role? Entrepreneurship is a wide umbrella, granted, but like it's a hot term right now and everyone would, but is that, the climate in, in colleges right now? Yeah. So a lot of people were still going the business route. Um, honestly, I don't know if anyone really is becoming a lawyer. I don't even know if I know any people that are really trying to become doctors, maybe one, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot of them are still you know, going the traditional route because they're not really aware of the opportunity that there is for them in online business compared to the traditional business route. Um, 
And on top of that, then unfortunately, you know, I've tried to talk to, you know, a lot of my old buddies and stuff, you know, they do see people like me and they, you know, they think that I'm just an exception or like a special case or like, you know, it's not realistic for them to do too. Um, but you know, and then it kind of just goes back to, you know, it's something that I tell people, um, a lot, like the dude with balls is going to go a lot further than the smarter guy. So I was like, I told a lot of my friends, like a lot of you are probably a lot smarter and more capable than I am. Like I just actually had the balls to start something and then to leave college to go all in on it. And, you know, it paid off. And so that's what, like, you know, that's the hardest part for a lot of them is, you know, actually taking that first step and having the balls to do something that might be seen as a little risky. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people who have a lot of confidence, they don't, they, you don't necessarily need to be not dumb, obviously, but you don't have to be Einstein. You don't have to be the smartest human alive to go and try to get something. But sometimes people who are like, like very, very intelligent and maybe lack a little bit of confidence. They start to rationalize and they start to think worst case scenario. And they're like, Oh, I can do this. This is extremely difficult. How, you know what, I'm going to leave this thing that's guaranteed and go take this potential risk. They rationalize everything and entrepreneurs, they're a little bit of dreamers, right? They're like, oh, I could see the big picture. I could, you know, I want to live this type of life and I think I could actually accomplish this. And it almost defies rationale, right? It's like, no, you shouldn't do this. You should go the traditional route. So I think entrepreneurs have to be a little bit of dreamers because otherwise it would never, it would never happen. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things I actually got from Russ, uh, the artist's book is you have to be like delusionally confident. Mm-hmm. Like people should quite literally almost think you're you're delusional. And I think it's really true because, you know, kind of like you said, like I didn't like, I kind of like, I, I knew it would work. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't, you know, that's why I, I wasn't nervous at all about leaving school or leaving that, you know, quote unquote, like guaranteed or safer path. Like I, I knew it would work. Um, and I was so confident in it that I was willing to drop out of school. I was willing to put my friend on salary before myself. Like I was willing to move to Miami and jack up my living expenses. You know, we're in, like, I think we literally just passed like New York city is the most expensive city. Like the cost of living is not cheap. And like, you know, when I moved here, like on paper, I probably like, it probably wasn't a smart financial decision. Like I probably shouldn't have been able to afford it. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, now we got to a point where it's like, again, I get to live in Miami. I have a lot of my best friends here that do similar things. Like we rent yachts on the weekends. Like I bought myself a really nice first car. Like I got to do a lot of the things that like, you know, I was dreaming about three years ago. And I kind of like just believed the whole time that it was going to happen. You know, it's just like in due time. It's wild how young you are and how fast these things happen nowadays. And like you said, because it's online businesses, um, that wasn't possible. I don't want to say 10 years, but 20 years ago, you know, you had to work up the food chain, get to a certain level in the company, make X amount of money. Now it is just so fast. And you see young kids, kids in their early 20s and just, you know, like, and to be fair, also, there's a lot of bullshit online. There's a lot of people just leasing cars for the lifestyle, right? Like, oh, look at me. I'm by the beach next to a yacht in a Lambo. I don't own anything, but they're not going to tell you that, but they want to sell you the dream. And then you start thinking, oh, and then it's like, what are they selling? At the end of the day, they're selling something, which is what I like about you and why I'm hesitant sometimes when I see like a lot of people selling the lifestyle on social media, because they're not, there's no substance there. Like, I'm like, all right, what, what have you created? If you created a company, if you sold a company, have you done something? 
Right. No, they're just creating a lifestyle and then people get attracted to that lifestyle and then they'll send you some sort of a course. It's also like, I hate when people say like, make it look easy. Oh, you don't need any skills. Oh, you can make six figures overnight. Like all that stuff. I'm like allergic to it. So I'm so happy to see that there's people like you, young people that are like actually building things and creating value. That's awesome. That's why I love B2B so much yeah. is because, you know, I'm talking to other business owners. I'm not going to sell them on some pipe dream of like driving a Lambo or like yeah. being they're not dummies in Bali. Like, like my quote unquote marketing is like purely giving out value and like telling them how it logistically makes sense to work with us. You know, I don't have to put on any front. I don't waste any money. Like, you know, I have no motivation to go buy something materialistic for any other purpose. than it's actually something that like I want, you know, mm -hmm. like, I bought myself like, you know, I, I don't use my, like, not that my car would really even be flashing up the marketing, but like, <laughs> I don't try to market my car. Like I literally just bought it because I like it and it makes me happy to drive it around. Mm -hmm. Like little things like that. That's why I love the B2B space. I don't have to try to do any like flashy marketing tactics. Like I'm literally just like, Hey, I can make you more money. Like here's the deal. Yeah. Do you think colleges in their current format could be obsolete in, I don't know, decades maybe two decades three decades i think they will be and because and it's actually some i had a conversation with one of my friends about this a little bit ago it's like something that everyone has isn't valuable right and so it used to be like you know say i, I know a lot of friends that their parents are like first generation college graduates or maybe their grandparents were first generation college graduates because it wasn't it wasn't common to have a degree then so then by having it you know, you were uncommon and then your status goes up and you're more, you know, you look more um, employable, if you will, like you're mm -hmm. more valuable to employers. Um, but now it's like everyone has a degree. So like now a degree does not increase your status, you know, unless again, you're one of the you know select fields that you still absolutely need it, doctor, lawyer, engineer, et cetera. But, you know, say in the business field, you know, you having a finance degree and, and now, unless it's from like a top three school, that's the only time now where it still increases your status, like anything yeah. other than a top, you know, maybe five to 10 school. And you're just like everyone else. And so now we're starting to get to a point where skills is actually what's starting to make people more valuable. And I actually think it levels the playing field a little bit because I think anyone can acquire skills and anyone can be really good at something. Whereas I think degrees and like that whole process of like getting into schools and whatnot, because some of the most skilled and smartest people I know, like my business partners, incredibly successful, smartest guy I've ever had the privilege of talking to. And he dropped out of high school. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's a lot of instances like that. And so I think college is becoming more obsolete. And I think skills is really going to take over as being the thing of like, what can actually give you status? Because even I think now, you know, like, for example, if I, I mean, I really think if I were to go to apply for some higher level sales or marketing job mm -hmm. and they had to put like me up against like a fresh college graduate. Like I think employers are taking me today. Like I think they're smart enough to recognize that. Like are you going to take the guy that has a piece of paper that says he learned a thing about marketing? Yeah. Or are you going to are you going to take the guy that's grown a business from zero to seven figure run rate in in 12 months? Yeah. You no, know, it's think, a no-brainer. Right. And so I think I think employers are starting to pick up on that and it's getting more and more common even in the tech field with a lot of people going into tech sales with no degree. Um, and even in coding, actually, um, a lot of people are just doing like certificate courses online 
and they're getting tech jobs in you know software engineering making six figures. So I think I think college is becoming much more obsolete. Yeah, technology is to us now what is um, water is to fish. It's just it's part of our fabric. It is like it's 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 what we breathe. It's what we eat. It's so important to our financial systems, our food systems. Everything is technology. That's why, like my niece, for example, she's young. She's what sixteen now, seventeen. And they, t- and like, I hear sometimes like about what they're learning. I'm like 50% of what you're learning in school still is irrelevant. Like that's not going to get you forward in life in any way, shape or form. And, and 80% of that, you're going to completely forget by the time you're 18. It just like outside of social skills, which is very important. Like I, I, I almost think that schools, yeah, I don't know, homeschooling just seems, or maybe new formats of schools would be a better use of, of time. Again, the only thing I could think of really is, is the social aspect. Like it's good to like yeah. get scuffed up a couple of times, learn these social cues. Maybe homeschooling doesn't afford you that. But as far as actual, the stuff that you learn, it's just, it's, it doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a broken system. And it's unfortunately something that like, you know, I actually, I had very good grades going up. Like I graduated like 30, 39th or something out of like 500 people in my class. Like I got into a lot of top schools like Babson and, you know, Case Western and Carnegie Mellon. And, um, you know, and unfortunately I saw a lot of people that I know that didn't have as good of grades, but I know they're actually, like I said, very smart and talented people, yeah. but kind of makes them believe or lose that belief in themselves that they're smart and talented people because they didn't have that great of a GPA. Um, so, you know, it's definitely a broken system, but I, again, I think the direction that we're moving forwards is going to become honestly more fair for those people. Cause now, as long as you have skills, you know, you're going to, you know, be higher status than the people that just have a degree. Yeah. How did your parents react when you told them you're dropping out? Yeah. So that's actually a question I get a lot. And honestly, I was, I was super, super blessed. My parents have always been super supportive of me. Um, so they like, not, not like a single, like they were completely supportive of it. They weren't upset at all. They didn't even try to persuade me to go back to school or anything. Um, I think there's also a factor though, like when I did make the decision, like I was making money, um, Mm -hmm. and I, I was making more money than I would with my degree. So like it it was, would have been like probably pretty hard to argue against. Um, and, um, yes, yeah, so they were super supportive and I was like, you know, really, really blessed to have that. That's awesome. All right. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, Closeify. So you only, it's only sales reps, right? There's no, like, is there like an expansion thing where you guys would go into other areas under, or is just sales reps? No. So it's only sales reps. Now we do, we start off with only closers, which closers are inbound sales reps, which means you literally get calls booked into your calendar. All you have to do is show up, take the call. Okay. <clears throat> and now we have expanded to um, SDRs, which are sales development representatives, which those are people that will go and do cold emailing for you as well. And they'll do like LinkedIn outbound and cold calling. So we have expanded there, but we're not going to expand out of that, you know, sales, sales niche. Like we're not going to try to become the next Upwork or Fiber. Smart. Um, Smart. Like, we're, and I, I think this is the future. And I've told people this and I've actually seen it now. I think niche hiring platforms are the future. And like, I know a hiring platform for developers that's mm-hmm. killing it. And I know a, not, this is technically, I literally just met this guy the other day. It's not a hiring platform. It's he's more of a recruiter, but it's more of a, or a placement agency, but 
It's actually the same deal. It's helping um, finance people get placed in the top investment banking companies. Um, I see. <laughs> and it's, it's really smart. And so I think those niche recruiting slash hiring companies, I think they're really the future. Riches in the niches, right? Exactly. Exactly. So are these are the are the people on your website, are they freelancers or do the companies that you work with, do they hire them full time or is it both? So it's a little bit of both. Some of them will hire um them like part time, just like you know, kind of like a freelance gig. Um and then but now I'd say more so most of our clients are actually hiring them full time. Um mm-hmm. because basically there, there's kind of like two parts needed for it to work, right? <clears throat> Since we're sourcing very good sales talent, they need to have a good earning opportunity or else like they wouldn't take the gig because again, they're a talented salesperson. Yeah. Uh, so the business owner needs to be able to provide a full-time opportunity and then the closer needs to be able to perform. And as long as those two things happen, you know, we have happy clients and happy closers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, our best closer has been consistently ma- been making 50 grand a month for the last several months. Oh, so that's what top 1%. Yeah. What's like the median? I'd say most of them make five to 10 grand a month. Um, That's nice. More. Yeah. Like no one's making below five grand a month. Um, we, have, we do have quite a few people in the 10 to 20 grand a month range, but I'd say probably most between like five and 10, maybe 15. And then you guys get the cut of, of whatever they make, or do you guys have like, do you have a, you know, some sort of a contract with the hiring companies and then that's that. Yep. So um, we used to take 10% of what our closers netted. So again, they make 50 grand a month, pay us five grand a month. Mm-hmm. We actually just moved that commission to the business owner. <clears throat> so now we put a two and a half percent commission on the business owner. Now, if they choose to bake that into what they were going to pay the closer, that's up to them. So, you know, say they want to pay 15%. <clears throat> if they want to pay 12 and a half to the closer, two and a half to us, or if they just want to bite the bullet for their closer and pay 17 and a half total, you know, that's just up to them now. That's cool. And then I'm, I'm interested in, in the team. You said how big is the team right now? Yeah. So to me, um, two partners, one's like a kind of chief marketing officer, others chief technology officer. We got a developer, we got sales director, um, two closers, four sales development representatives, I just hired a lawyer, project manager, SEO agency. Um, we pay a lead generation agency. Um, so the agency is obviously a, it's third or like it's it's not yeah. in house. And yeah. then in house, you're saying what about 10, 12 people, something like that? Yeah. So, yeah. And so our overhead is, you know, I think we're around 20 grand a month in overhead. Wow. And then I'm assuming everything's remote, right? Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. What, what you know, who was your first hire? Uh, it was um my roommate. And so basically again, I didn't have a, <laughs> my um my business partner lives in Miami. And okay. it's funny because he actually he actually told me I should leave school and I wanted to anyways, but so then I did. And then he um he kind of called me out of the blue one day and he's like, Hey dude, like are you still living in Ohio? And I was like, yeah, I still live in Ohio. Like, what's up? He's like, what are you doing in Ohio? I was like, <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He's like, how soon can I get you to Miami? So like next day I book a plane ticket, go visit. I'm like, this is sick. I want to move here. And I visited with my now roommate who I went to high school with. And um, I'm like, dude, what would it take for you to like 
moved to Miami with me. And he was like, dude, I would just need like a base salary on top of commissions. Cause he was my sales rep at that time. He's like, I would just need a base salary on top of commissions. And I was like, done. Um, so I hired him and I started, I started him off doing some like account management and like onboarding people, um, as like, you know, the first hire, um, uh, to make sure clients are happy and whatnot. And then as you know, we progress, you know, we, you know, I hired a project manager to like do a lot of the menial tasks for him. And then we finally moved him into like the sales manager role. So now he's managing our sales team, um, both our SDRs and our inbound reps, you know, reviewing their calls, making sure they're meeting KPIs. Um, then that also led to us, you know, I, I am actually releasing another software company now in like four weeks that actually, so kind of building a little, I just saw that on Twitter, Trackify, right? Yeah. So I'm kind of sticking with the, if I names, you know, um, I'm kind of building a little ecosystem here. So every prospect that comes to close and isn't ready yet. It's because they don't book enough sales calls yet to give mm-hmm. a closer that good earning potential that I mentioned. So, and we book like 50 to 70 sales calls a week. Like we're really good at our outbound, you know, lead generation strategies. And I was like, these people need more sales calls. We're really good at generating sales calls. Like, why don't I just build another company here? And so and it's off the same traffic sources, off the same leads that we already have coming in the Closeify. So then started a lead generation agency about a month, month and a half ago. We got five clients on our first month. We're at capacity right now. We can't take on any more because we're systemizing that. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we have over 170 clients at Closeify. And um, they're all like, you know, we do like a lot of interviews and stuff with them. always seeing like where we can help. And they're like, how do you guys like track your like, you know, SDRs and closers, like KPIs? Like, you know, we've just been using Google Sheets. And we're like, yeah, like we've been using Google Sheets too. And they're like, yeah, we wish there was kind of like a better alternative. Like Google Sheets just like isn't very pretty. Um, and so, yeah, now I'm, I just was like, you know what, I'm going to build something better. And so now it's basically going to have, you know, it's, it's the same principle as Google Sheets, but prettier dashboards with graphs. It's going to, you know, graph out you know, the numbers your sales reps currently doing versus what their KPI is. If they fall under KPI, it's going to send a notification to the sales manager and say, Hey, you need to give them more coaching or like, Hey, you know, they need to send X. It'll do the projections. Like, Hey, if they're going to finish the month at quota, they need to do X numbers instead of their original ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, now, you know, we can book you sales calls. We can help you hire the team to close the sales calls. And then we'll give you the software needed to manage their KPIs. So that's kind of the little ecosystem of companies that I'm building now. Wow. You must be busy, dude. Two companies at 21. Is this kind of like just an extension of Closeify or is this a completely different entity? It's a, it's a separate entity. Um, but again, you know, they're all going to pay each other, right? So like Closeify pays lead. Like I use all my own companies, like Closeify pays the lead generation agency to book sales calls for us. Mm-hmm. I, I hire all of our SDRs and closers from Closeify. Um, and then in the future, every Closeify client is going to come with a preloaded Trackify account baked into their Closeify subscription. So then Closeify will obviously shoot a kickback to Trackify. So yeah. all of the companies are growing on top of each other, like one little snowball effect. <laughs> you know, I, I want to go back to the team for a second. I'm interested because you didn't have like prior experience. It's not like you ran like all these companies and, and no. you know, you had experience. Did you have some sort of a strategy or an idea? Like who are the people I want to hire? And like, what did you base that on? Or is I, it just I, gut feeling? I, I got super, super lucky with one of my business partners. Um, like I said, he was like 
a dude that I really looked up to. And he actually ended up becoming a business partner from like a DM. Um, okay. So like I had basically, I listened to like all of his podcasts ever um, and kind of just like updated him. Like, yo dude, like loved your podcast. Like now I've like, I became a sales rep. Then I started a sales agency. Now I'm starting a software company. And he's like, Hey dude, what's the software company? And I explained it to him and he was like, I'd love to be a part of this. And so he came on board and, you know, he's, he's sold tons of companies. He's grown tons of companies to seven and eight figures. And so he's the one that's helped me be like, Hey, here are the hires you need to make. And like, Hey, here's how you operate as a CEO. <clears throat> um, because something that I really struggled with was, you know, once I moved here <clears throat> to Miami and we actually started making a decent bit of money, we just went and like we just went and made hires and we actually just did it again because we had anytime we have a huge you know growth month we just go and make a lot of hires because like that's okay. the highest ROI thing we can do right yeah um so we just made a ton of new hires again just and uh, it got to the point where month over month we were making the most money and I was making the most money I'd ever made and I told him I was like dude I kind of feel crappy I'm like not doing that much and I'm like <laughs> making a lot of money and um he was like, that's because like, you're used to being a hustler and like doing all this stuff while in college. He was like, dude, like hustling might, might've gotten you your first six figures, but it's like hustling will never get you to seven and eight figures. So he's like, you know, it's like your job as the CEO. And this really stuck with me. It's like, you have like two main priorities that you need to figure out. It's like, like, who can I go pay to do what for me? Like essentially who can I hire? And then delegating. And then in what order should I be making these hires? So like, and so then basically, you know, every like, you know, once a month or so, we'll write down all the different things that we could hire out in the near future. And then we'll categorize them if they're going to either have an impact on client experience or if they're going to have an impact directly on our revenue. And then based on those two categories, we'll rank them one to three. One being like low impact, three being highest impact of like, okay. And then we focus on the highest impacts for client experience and revenue, obviously. And so that's been like the most helpful piece of advice I've probably ever gotten. Cause now that's just like where I put a lot of my focus. Wow. That's, that's incredible, dude. Um, how important would you say it is for a CEO or, or his ability at least to create a following and engagement on, um, on Twitter, let's take an example, Twitter, right? Um, because that's, I think where you're at least more, most active on, like what are the big benefits of, of having an audience on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok? Yeah, absolutely. Every CEO or I mean, really anyone in general should like have a personal brand because yeah, it's one, I, I launched, like I launched the idea of Closeify with a Twitter thread. Mm -hmm. Like I put out a Twitter thread to validate the idea and I woke up to 50 plus DMs like of people interested in hiring sales reps. And then it's actually amazing for hiring too. Um, again, not necessarily like, you know, super, super tough to hire positions. But for example, if I'm looking for like a website developer, I just want to, Hey, I need a website developer and someone's going to introduce me to one. Um, and so again, it, you know, you can use it to validate your product. You can use it to push traffic to your product. I mean, you know, we probably bring in, I don't know, two, three clients a month from my Twitter. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, personal brand is not to mention, you know, the people that you're going to meet, like, again, I've met business partners through Twitter. You know, I've done yeah. a lot of business with people that I've met through Twitter, like a lot of people. Um, and so, yeah, building, that's like, honestly, it's one of my big focuses right now on top of hiring is, you know, I got a lot more active on LinkedIn. I just started a YouTube channel, like just growing a personal brand. Yeah. Um, that's my one big focus right now. 
that I'm putting a lot of my time into besides, you know, looking to make new hires. So YouTube, you're going to focus on YouTube now as well? Yeah. What are you going to do on YouTube? Do you have an idea? Yeah. So I'm actually about to record a video today. Um, I'm putting out a lot of content around growing B2B businesses. Cause like I said, that's what I've done. That's what I'm good at. Um, and you know, I'm going to be talking about the, again, the way that I've grown them, which is with cold email, LinkedIn outbound, and then building inbound sales teams. And then obviously, you know, I'm going to plug my own products to use on my YouTube, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Hey, if you want us to do the outbound cold email for you, we do that. Hey, if you're ready to hire your sales teams, like we do that. Okay. Hey, you need to manage your sales team better. Like we do that. Um, so, you know, I'm going to be trying to attract a lot of B2B business owners on my channel. Yeah. I, I don't think people understand I think a lot of people scroll social media kind of mindlessly, right? They'll be on Instagram and they'll just scroll up. Oh, cool picture. Oh, beautiful destination. Oh, that I, maybe I'll make that cake one day. And uh, same with Twitter. Maybe they'll go and they'll see what's happening, right? They'll like get mad about this, that, and the other, or they'll see this person doing this, whatever. They don't understand. And it, there's almost no downside to trying to create your own brand and putting content out there. And again, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're into hiking, if you're, in, if you're into business, if you're into... doesn't matter, right? It's industry agnostic. Whatever it is that you're into, there's people, there's, there are other people that are interested in that thing as well. And if you put like... And it does, it's, you don't have to be like the utmost authority as long as you know something and you can grow and yeah stuff you're going to put out initially is probably going to suck but you're going to get better my first podcast was horrific right this one is great the uh, episode 500 probably going to be even better like you're going to grow you're going to learn you're going to be more confident you're just going to create better things and like there's so many like even this podcast is like open doors for me created opportunities same with Twitter. I barely have Like I have what thousand plus people that follow me on Twitter. Like, and I've met cool people like yourself and other people. So there's just, there's no downside. Sure. It takes some time and some effort. And I think people maybe are also scared of, Ooh, what are people going to say? Am I going to get mean comments? Am I going to look stupid? Those are options, but more likely than not, you, it's going to be positive. Like you just have to take that risk. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Cause you know, it's like, it's, it's funny to think about what a tiny risk that is compared to what it was 20 years ago. Like you said, like 20 years ago, you got to take out a loan. You've got to like open some brick and mortar business or something that's like here, you can literally throw out a couple of tweets, a couple of TikToks, and you can be making thousands of dollars online. Granted, it's obviously not that easy. You have to, yeah. you have to do one thing consistently for like, you know, six or 12 months before you'll see any traction. But like still, dude, there are literally people that just schedule Twitter content stay consistent for six to 12 months mm-hmm. and they start making a full-time income from Twitter. Like mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's not a risk. We see these that's, people all day long. Like I follow a bunch of those people. It's so easy. And again, the top Twitter accounts, like people are pulling in six figures a month from Twitter accounts. Like crazy. That is ridiculous. Yeah. So like, you know, to, you know, to the idea of like not putting out content because you're scared of what people are going to think or say is, pretty ridiculous considering it's like, you know, they're not going to be saying a whole lot when you're making six figures a month from a Twitter account. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, it's even more than that. It's like most likely 
they're just not going to say anything. Like, cause right. no one cares. Like no one knows you dude. like, you're not going to get mean or bad comments for the most part, unless you're like putting out completely ridiculous things. Right. But even that sometimes that, so that works for some people, but more, more often than not, you're just not going to get any engagement. Right. Like, cause yeah. you're new and no one knows you and you have to build a following and it's like, Oh, I already follow all these other people that are amazing. Why should I care about you? You have to, create some sort of an emotional response within people or you have to create some sort of a value that people are like oh this guy oh he does strs cool let me oh he, you know whatever uh, strip malls cool let me look i'm interested you have to create interest so yeah. like the the even even if it's a little bad it's still good because it's engagement it's still getting people riled up that's why so people so many people online they'll try to like just pedal bullshit because they you know comments bad or good are still comments. So at least they get engagement and they're happy with that. That's not what you want to do, but some people definitely do that. Yeah. 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 What, um, you know, just as I'll take me for example, my impressions on Twitter range from anything from 30 K to 300, even some months, 400 K. But weirdly my followers haven't really grown like over the past six or so months, I want to say maybe four or five months. Yeah. Like, what am I doing wrong? School me. Tell me like, what should yeah. I be doing? Yeah. So there, there's really only like one growth path that you need to grow on Twitter. And that's to just put out three good threads a week. If you put out three good threads a week, you're going to grow. Like, okay. you will <laughs> like, th- that's the strategy that I got from like the biggest accounts on Twitter. They're like, just put out three good threads a week. Um, the other easiest one, if you want to literally go gain like 300 followers today, literally, do you use Tweet Hunter? I did for a while. Um, is that the one where you do like 100 tweets, uh, like, like 100 uh, days of, of uh, tweeting cons- consecutively? No, no, it's software. So, okay. Like tweethunter.io, and you can, you've probably seen it. You can do this um, really cool auto DM feature. You can, so for example, like one that I've done is like, want to know how we book 50 to 70 sales calls per week? just comment or just retweet and comment below guide and I'll send over you the free guide. And it says like, must be following me to receive DM like 400 people comment guide. They all follow you. You gain like 400 followers in a day. And I do that like three times a month. Really? So I gain like 1200 followers a month on average, just, just from like those tweets and then you factor in the threads. And then there's like, I'm also like, I, I, I stopped taking Twitter seriously for a while. Like there are people that have grown, like grown from like zero to 20 K faster than I've grown from like zero to almost at eight K or something. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and so I just started focusing on it again now. So like my goal is like literally to like, you know, get to like 15 K by the end of the year. Um, if not more, um, but like you can actually grow really, really fast if you're consistent. Yeah. My goal was to get to 10 K by the end of the year. Uh, um, the trajectory <laughs> doesn't look promising. You know, every, anything can change. But I'm interested as far as uh, tweethunter.io. I think the I think I follow the guy or he follows me. The, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but like, if you're putting out, let's say the guide example that you gave out, like, how do they push it out for you? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So it's literally it's an automated feature. As soon as they you just set the settings of like, hey, just to DM them, they have to either just comment or comment and retweet or whatever. And then every person that comments and retweets the software will automatically send them a DM that you mm-hmm. set the DM message. So like you could be like, hey, here's the guide, insert the link. And then you can be like, 
by the way, like we offer this as a done for you service too, if you want more info on that. And then like plug your VSL or put your schedule in. Um, so it is a really insane tool to make more money using Twitter. I'll look into it. Yeah. yeah. Do you have people that um, you look up other than the, I think you're uh, the co-founder, one of your business partners that you mentioned that you look up to people that like you constantly listen to on like a daily slash weekly basis. Yeah. I have another buddy here um, that I hang out with in Miami. Um, he's cold email wizard on Twitter. You've probably seen him. Okay. I, yeah, um, I think I have. Yeah. He's a good friend of mine here. Um, I literally just like went to the beach with him the other day. It was kind of like whenever he talks, I kind of, you know, shut up and listen. Um, you know, he's, <laughs> he's a really good marketer. Um, and, you know, he owns quite a few companies as well. So, you know, I definitely, you know, always listen whenever he's talking. Um, then outside of that, and, you know, again, I really, I try to learn the most from my one business partner. And I think I, you know, he, he's done some really incredible things. I think he's only maybe 24 now, 23. Um, and, you know, he's done a lot more than I have. Um, and so that's crazy uh, that you guys are so young and you're doing so much. It's really mind boggling. Yeah. And so, you know, I really, and not to mention like, you know, he, he's very down to earth, you know, he's, he's, he's very, very, very successful. And, you know, he's not like, he's, he's lifting people up. And, you know, I think the other thing that's important, he's, he gives out a lot of opportunities and gives a lot of people chances. And I think that's what really helps him become successful is like, you know, when you give someone a chance, like they're, you know, normally if you like kind of gauge the right person, like they're going to be very determined to not waste that chance you gave them. Um, and so, you know, I've kind of followed something similar to him as we're like, you know, I try, like, I, I don't pay myself a ton out of my company. Like some, some months I won't even pay myself at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that allows me to then give out more opportunities to other people to help us grow. And so then when you look at it, like our company culture, you know, if you go on our Slack channel every single morning, you know, you're waking up and seeing the sales team and everyone's like, let's get after it today. Like, what else can I do for you today? Like, like everyone wants us to really grow and succeed. And awesome. it's because like, I, I give out opportunities. Like we're all like, there, there's no like hierarchy. Like we all put our heads together when we're trying to solve a problem. Like, okay, like how do we meet our goals for this quarter? Like, it's just like one team meeting where like everyone's listening and bouncing ideas off of each other. It's not like one person's like, Hey, this is the plan. That's right. Like it's not. And I like, I, I listen to them all the time. So my sales reps will come up with better ideas than I do. And so that's what I said. Like, you know, I'm really open to listen to everyone. And I just like to give out opportunities to people that I can tell are, you know, hungry. And, you know, so Closeify has, you know, gotten a lot of people from like where they are to where they want to be as like the vehicle to bridge that gap. You know what I mean? They've started making a lot of money working, you know, in Closeify. And, you know, so then they, in return, they, they do a great job. Dude, were you always like, even at, at a younger age, were you like a mature you know, level-headed kind of teenager? Because the reason I ask is most people at 21 and in college, they want to go party, drink, get fucked up. And and just in general, it seems like the younger generation is very interested in, in um, this victim mentality, right? Like, oh, I can't do this. I can't get ahead. I'm, you know, just everything is about victimhood. And then if I even go back, you know, whatever, 15 plus years when I was around your age, like, I just wanted to travel the world. You know, I wanted to just have fun. I don't know, hook up with girls. Like starting a company at 20 wasn't uh, top of mind for me back then. Mm -hmm. But I'm, that's why I'm so impressed with what you've done at such a young age. So like, is this 
part of who you always were or like, how did this become? I wouldn't necessarily say that I was like more mature than like the typical person. I didn't party in college really, but that was just because I, I didn't really have the time. And I just realized that I was going to be very unhappy if I went the college route. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd say it more so stems from like something of like, I, I've always cared about like, like essentially like winning realistically. Like I'm very, very competitive. Like when I played tennis, like there, there's nothing worse to me than losing. Like losing is horrible. Like I, like to me, it's like, I like, don't think it's acceptable. Like I know it's like, <laughs> a part, like, I know it's a part of life. And like, you know, I've yeah. lost a lot. And again, I wasn't the best, best in the world at tennis and that it almost like bothers me. Um, and so then, you know, as I shifted kind of from like tennis into like business being the main focus, like it was just like, it's the new game for me. Right. And so, and I kind of realized like in order to kind of like start to win at the game, I had to kind of like remove money as like a motivating factor for me personally. So that's why I, like I capped, even when the company was growing rapidly, 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 I always capped what I was allowed to pay myself because then it just becomes like a cycle of like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, I'm paying myself more now. I'm going to go upgrade my lifestyle even more and that type of stuff. And so, you know, Hormozy says a great thing of like, you need to get to making so much money where the only use of money is to make more money. And so now like I said, when I get to take that extra money that I have now and I get to go hire people and I get to go give people opportunities and build my company bigger, it's almost like, like it's, it's starting to like win at the game more. like, I see it all as a game right now. Um, whereas like, I'm trying to see like how big, like how many people can I get on the team? Like how, and you know, of course I'm looking at revenue, like how much revenue can the company make? Like not me personally. Like, I don't like, I'm good on cash flow. Like my cash flow allows for me to again, like I said, I live in Miami, got a decent car, yeah. do fun things on the weekends, all that stuff. So it's like, how many people can I get on my team? Um, you know, how much revenue can I get this company to make? You know, how much can we sell for one day? Um, like that's just all stuff that I kind of see in my head as like a game now. And so now it's kind of just like, you know, when I was a kid, I was hyper focused on being the best at tennis. Now I'm like, I'm really hyper focused and obsessed like being the best at building B2B companies, like building sales teams. Like, you know, I really do think we've built, we've built the best hiring solution for sales teams. I really don't think there's a single company out there that can compete with like us. And again, we're like most affordable, the most predictable and the fastest. Like I truly believe that. And still, you know, we pay $50,000 a year now to our developer for continued improvements and new features. And that number is going to go up again. We're going to start paying him more every month as we make more. And so like, it's just like, how, how much better can we continue to dominate this space? And like, that's kind of like what, what like excites me. You brought that athlete mentality into business. Right. Yeah. Have you guys raised any capital? Completely bootstrapped. We get all the time to raise capital. I'm like, no, never raised capital. Started it with my savings from my sales job. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, you know, if like, and you know, to me, it's like, actually, I hope to get into, um, like angel investing and stuff like that at some point. And to me, like it would be a huge red flag if a founder didn't at least start the business bootstrap. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I understand scenarios where like, hey, maybe you want to raise like, I don't know, 500 grand and go spend a ton on marketing and like, you know, quickly take market share or something. Yep. But if the founder couldn't even start the company bootstrap, like say you, you only needed like 10 to 50K, like if you as a founder can't go out and scrap up that money, like that's not someone I'd want to place my bet on. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. What do you see, I guess, what's the future? Like, what do you see this as the exit move strategy, five years? And if so, like, if you had to predict now, how much do you see yourself, how much do you see yourself selling the company for and who do you see yourself selling the company to? Yeah, it's honestly something that I just started to think about. Not that I want to sell it soon, but because I've been talking to a lot of people with exits uh, experience and they've all been saying like, you need to think about the exit long before it actually happens. Yep. Um, and so that's why I actually just hired a lawyer recently to help us like make sure we like have the right contracts, right business structure, et cetera. Um, I had a, I had this guy, sorry to interrupt you. I had this guy, Mark Ackler on the podcast and he actually wrote the book on like the perfect exit. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's, that's why I asked. Yeah. I'm going to have to go read that. Um, (laughs) I actually tell people all the time, like I pay, I pay for a lot of consultations with people all the time because I'm like, I'm 21 and I always say, I don't know what I don't know. Um, so like there's all these intricacies about selling a business that I have no clue about. Um, and so my plan is to sell all these companies together as a roll up. And so, you know, I obviously, you know, I know that your multiplier is going to be higher if you can sell three companies that build off of each other versus if you just sell one company. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my, my ideal uh, scenario is to sell all three companies together. I don't really like, we, we've, we've set some numbers about what we hope to sell for. Um, and, you know, the multipliers are a little different now, I think now that we're in a recession, but, you know, I'm pretty confident that we can get this to, 250 grand a month by the end of the year. And I think we can definitely get it to 500 grand a month. Um, so five grand a month is like 6 million a year. And that's just close by alone, not like all three. Yeah. Um, that'd be 6 million a year. Like a very conservative multiplier for, you know, like a tech platform would be like a five X. So, you know, that's like 30 million. So I don't think 30 million would be the worst thing in the world, you know? Um, but at the end of the day, you know, a lot of stuff can change. Um, and I honestly have no clue who we would sell for. Like, that's not, like I said, it's, it's always like, I should probably start talking to like business brokers or like VCs or something just to start like planting that seed and like seeing, you know, trying to start those relationships. It's probably something I should start doing. Um, but you know, at this current moment, it's not even something I've looked at just cause like, I don't think it's too close in the near future. Like, I think I have a lot, a lot of, you know, ground still to cover. Um, and, but I mean, yeah, I want to get us. I think bare minimum, I want to get us like that 500k a month mark because like I know we can. Yeah, yeah. It was it was an interesting conversation with him because he's obviously sold a bunch of companies and uh, like I said, he wrote the book and he advises young entrepreneurs to really. He was like, like such a common mistake I see is they think about it, they start thinking about it when it's too late, right. and he advocates for them to start thinking about it much much sooner. Uh, because it's a lengthy process and it takes up a lot of time and uh, a lot of bandwidth. So yeah, just definitely check that one out. Yeah. I talked to someone the other day. It said the same thing. Like I need to start, I need to start going talking to business brokers and talking to VCs and you know, private equity and just kind of start those conversations and start those relationships. Um, because, you know, I definitely, you know, worst, you know, worst thing I do is, you know, like he said, way too long and then you end up in a crappy situation where you're getting less than what you should. Yeah. Um, before I let you go, I'm interested because, you know, I've been having more and more um, CEOs and, and founders on. And the more I go on, uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, and YouTube and stuff, and I see them using it 
more as a promotional tool than ever, ever before. And I'm kind of just like, do you like doing the podcast? These like long format type? Because like I said, it's a great promotional tool because someone can really sit there for 30 minutes, an hour, 90 minutes and, you know, marinate in everything that you're giving and not only the company, but you yourself, like you said, as, as, as the brand. But I think some CEOs, it's like, I have to do this podcast again. It's like, maybe they don't love it as much, but they realize it's a great promotional tool. And then others just love the spotlight, right? And they shine when the mic approaches them, which, which, which one are you? No, I mean, I, you know, I honestly understand like the promotional aspects and, you know, it's always the evergreen, you know, content. Um, but I actually really do enjoy doing them because I'm like, you know, even like, even if, you know, it's, you know, whatever I say, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the other ones that I've done, you know, it's, whether it's like how to start making your first dollars online or like, you know, advice that I would have given to myself, or it's like how to grow your B2B company. Like kind of, even if anything I say helps, you know, like one person that listens, you know, that's kind of like a win in my book. Like I, I kind of like, you know, I, I hop on calls with people for free all the time. I see this as something kind of, kind of similar. And it's where like, you know, I'm just like really fortunate that I get to live the life that I live right now. And it's like, I want everyone else to experience the life that I get to live. And so it's like, you know, if what I say on a podcast can help someone do that. And if they don't ever end up paying me, like, you know, I'm, I'm still completely fine with that. So, you know, it's something that I do really enjoy to do. Yeah. Well, Alex, you're awesome, dude. This was awesome. You give me hope for the future. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Where can people, obviously we talked about Closify, where are the best, uh, give us all the plugs, where are the best places to find you online? Yeah. So best thing would be is, you know, where I'm most active, like we said, is my Twitter. It's at AlexH459, or you could probably search Alex from Closify and you'll find me. Um, but yeah, that's the, where I'm most active and where I put out the most content. Cool. And as always, I'll be sure to link everything in the show notes, make it easy for you guys to find it. Alex, this was awesome, man. Thank you very much. Thank you.